0: This is the Don Juans of Dynasty, where we discuss all things Dynasty fantasy football. Sit back and enjoy the show. All right, the Don Juans of Dynasty are back. Week one officially in the book, boys. Um, really interesting first week of the season. There were some good headlines. Some players that we anticipated having a big start to the year and some players that um, we thought were going to have slow starts that ended up not having slow starts. So um, we're going to do a fun one this week, get into a little bit of panic, don't panic week one results and talk a little bit about the quarterbacks, running backs and wide receivers um, that showed up and did show up week one and kind of, you know, what it should mean going forward in the very, very young 2021 season? So without further ado, I'm your host Mike, and I'm joined by John, Yo, yep. and Tim. What's up? What's going on, boys? Um, week one was a good was a good week for me uh, fantasy wise. It wasn't a good week for the Ravens, sadly. That was a that was an awful uh, way to lose, but that was probably one of the most exciting Monday night games I remember in a while. Oh yeah, that was a good game. Me and mm-hmm. me and Timmy were in that one.
1: Oh yeah, that was that was a a tight one.
0: Yeah, a little uh, a little finals head to head matchup again. You two boys back at it again. Tim thought he was going to get his revenge on John. John one ended, one ended up going down in the uh, the closing minutes there. How did how did it finish off? Well, well, let me tell you,
2: Mike. It feels great to watch Ronald Jones, who Tim planted his soft flag in, drop a nice negative point six for me, <laughs> and then I still beat him.
1: Well, Gage had a crispy zero for me as well, so. That'll happen.
0: What was the final?
1: Uh, 170, one seventy one
0: sixty. Yeah, it'd be like Okay, so so Ronald Jones' saw flag almost did end up screwing you
2: there. Yeah, a little bit. I he must not have appreciated Tim not having a hard flag because you know, I don't know what the hell he was doing out there, but it wasn't really anything.
0: Yeah, yeah. Well, um, you know, Let's go ahead and get into it here. I, I think the first thing that I'm kind of looking back on and realizing is um, kind of my summary of the week was the running backs um, had a much more quiet week and there were a lot more wide receivers that produced week one. So I feel like that early strategy of possibly like focusing a little bit more on your RBs and understanding how much depth there is a wide receiver paid off for some people. Like There were some big weeks by people like Antonio Brown, Corey Davis, um, both had big weeks. And a couple other wide receivers that I don't know if people were anticipating doing as well as they did. I mean, Jamar Chase had a great week one too, so we'll go ahead and get into it here. But um, let's do this because, really, I think that the narratives are going to start spinning out of control for some players, and um, we're we're going to have to see what what comes about in the coming weeks. You know, we heard Raheem Mostert is out for season, so like we're going to get into the San Francisco running back situation for sure. Uh, but let's start with the don't panics here. And let's go through our quarterbacks and then we'll follow that up with running backs and wide receivers. Um, Just as a a heads up for the listeners, we might disagree on panics and don't panics here. So we'll go through them and kind of discuss um, where we're at with each person as we go person by person. Um, But yeah, I think, I think that's what we're going to start with here. Do you guys have anything else to add there?
2: No, let's get into it.
0: All right. Um, well, let's go ahead and – you know, the quarterbacks, for the most part, had pretty strong showings week one. I don't think there were too many dud performances, so quarterbacks might be a little bit lighter here. Uh, but I'll kick it over to you, John. Why don't you go ahead and start us off with the quarterbacks?
2: Yeah, I'm going to go with uh, Ryan Tannehill. Um, I mean, honestly, he ended the day, I think, with, like, 15 points, so he didn't really have, you know, that bad of a day. But, like you said, it was kind of tough to pick some of these quarterbacks. Um But, I mean, the one thing I noticed is they really strayed away from their their game plan really quickly. Um, They didn't try to establish the run, which led to no play action, and that kind of was the reason for – or has been the reason for his success the past two years. Um, I saw an interesting stat that they only ran play action on 11% of their plays, whereas they normally do it on about 36% of their plays. So they really went away from game game script – and also, Julio Jones looked really bad. I mean, he had some, some bad drops, um, and he just didn't look great out there. But I'm going to chalk that up to, you know, just kind of week one with a new team. I think he's gonna hurt throughout training camp. Um, and, I mean, it's, it's still Julio Jones, so I'm not really too worried about him. But uh, Ryan Tannehill is a guy that I'm definitely not panicking on.
1: That's fair. Uh, I'd be panicking less about him and more about the offensive line because Chandler Jones just ate that dude's lunch. And – I mean, it was nice because they – Taylor Lewan. Oh, yeah, Taylor Lewan. He's kind of a piece of shit too, so I'm glad he sucks. But anyway, uh, Derek like they did establish the run a little bit. Like they were down by – or they ended up losing by 25 points and Henry still had 17 carries. It's not like they completely gave up, you know?
0: Getting personal at the top of the pod. Tim, tell us a little bit about Taylor Lewan. Why is he uh, somebody that's not on your nice list? Yeah, dude, what did he do to you?
1: Well, not to me, but you know, I don't even know if this is something we could talk about on the pod. But uh, Mike, get ready to edit. So basically, when he was in college, um, his teammate raped someone and he went up to the victim and he said, I swear to god, if you tell someone, I will kill you. Or he said, I think he threatened a raper again. He's not a nice dude,
0: mm, yeah, that's not great, um, at all. Well, less than so... ideal. I don't know if I'm going to edit that, I'll be honest with you, but uh, (laughs) only because I feel like you calling him a piece of shit and then having no context would have been kind of like, you know, uh, difficult for people to follow without that. But regardless of that, um, I agree with your take there, John. Um, I think Tannehill is going to be fine. Some interesting things is, first off, the Titans are built a little bit like the Ravens where like... the the Titans have a much better receiver core, but I think that they play best when they're playing ahead and they can utilize play action. Exactly. Like you said, I think once they got behind, it became difficult. This also just goes to show that sometimes people, um, write off certain defenses too early in the season. Like every year there's one defense. That's a surprise defense. that's just really solid. And I don't know for sure if that's the Cardinals yet, but I will say the Cardinals looked absolutely for real and it doesn't look like a soft matchup. So, um adjust accordingly for that for your you know your players in the nfc west because now that i think about it that division has what the rams which have a really good defense the 49ers which have a good defense seahawks defense is solid and possibly the cardinals defense is good so that's going to be a really difficult division for offensive players when they're playing each other possibly um so that was kind of one of my takeaways from that whole situation uh, and I would be kind of thinking about that moving forward. But I agree. I think Tannehill's still got good weapons. I mean, you're not trying to move him. He was probably drafted if you drafted him in startups, possibly as a back-end RB1 or as an RB2 um, that okay. was going to be a high-end RB2. You, you mean quarterback? Yeah, nice what did players. I say, running back? Yeah. Well, you know, every once in a while he runs so productively that I could call him a running back, just like Lamar. Uh, yeah, like
2: like back-end running back
0: two, high-end wide receiver one. That's basically what Lamar is though. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, all right. Fair enough. I, I agree with that take. I wouldn't panic on him at all. It sounds like Tim wouldn't either. Uh, I don't have anything else for him. Should we kick it over? Tim, do you want to talk about one of your players?
1: Uh, yeah, we can briefly talk about it. Uh, like John mentioned, you know, there aren't too many, uh, you know, instant panics because a lot of these guys are rookies or veterans getting set into a new offense or going up against tough defense, even. So a lot of these poor performances can be explained. And the one I would like to explain away is uh, Tua Tagovailoa. And everyone was kind of really looking forward to this season. Uh, They thought this was going to be like his next step. He did look a little lost at times last season. I know there was some controversy whether Fitzpatrick should start over him or not, just with his ability to push the ball ball down the field and be aggressive. But – You know what, this week he might not have been a stud, but he opened up against a really good defense, and he's still missing one of his starting wide receivers. And also, he's looking to push the ball downfield a little bit more. Uh, I saw a couple nice throws to Parker, to Waddle, and he, he wasn't afraid to push the ball into coverage. He only made one mistake, and even then, it looked like a potential attempted throwaway that he got hit before he could complete the pass. So... Again, his poor performance really can kind of be explained as he game-managed it, the Dolphins came away with the win against a really good defense. So he gets a weapon back next week. I think that's going to start being the next test. Because like Mike said, when um, Henry and Tannehill are going to go up against a gauntlet for the NFC West, the AFC East also, their defenses are looking pretty stout as well. So we'll see what happens uh, when he goes up against the Bills next week.
2: Interesting.
0: Yeah, I, um, you go ahead, John. No, I mean, if you want to go, Mike, you can go. Well, it's Tua, So, you know, I'm going to have some comments to make, but I guess my general thought was the same theme that I kind of had during the off season, which was that I thought people were taking uh, to a little bit too early. Like I saw some of the quarterbacks that were going close to him, even like the Fields territory um, and Jalen hurts. Like I kept saying during the off season, Jalen hurts was a good value especially when you consider with his mobility, what he brought to the table from like a fantasy standpoint. Um, I don't feel like I'm moving off that position whatsoever at this point. So I guess the question is, I, I don't know if I'm going to panic. Cause I guess if you own two, you believe in him. I'm just not like a Tua a guy, but I'll, I'll ask this to both of you. Would you rather have Jalen hurts or would you rather have Tua in dynasty? I mean,
2: that's probably, tough, probably tough I'd you. probably go hurts just because of his rushing upside. Like, I don't know if we've compared him to who we compared Tua to in the past, but he – I mean – Kirk Cousins. Yeah, Kirk Cousins, because I was going to say, he kind of just is like a game manager, and I don't really think his ceiling is that high. I mean, Hertz is probably a little more risky, but, I mean, we saw what he can do last week uh, with the rushing upside, and I'd prefer that. Mm
1: -hmm. I can kind of see where you're going on that. If you were to ask me last season – I would have said a 100%, but Hertz looked like a completely different quarterback out there. I know he's one of those guys that we talk about improving every year, but uh, just everything he does is like he's he's just a leader of a team, and he always tries to push and better himself, and he absolutely did that this season. And even though the Falcons' defense is kind of trash, he opened up and he played about as well as you can expect someone to play. So I'd have to lean Hurts. Yeah. Uh,
0: I, I leaned hurts i mean my position like i said hadn't changed on it during the offseason i had hurts as a, like a fringe top 10 11 dynasty quarterback um i i still i know there were discussions about you know the eagles trading for watson i think now those reports look so silly and it's not just really off of this week i think it's more just that sirianni looks like he's aware of how to actually use the players to their strengths versus what doug peterson was doing last year like Every single Eagles player looked good in that game. And, yeah, let's be honest. Like, the Falcons made it easy to look good. There's really no two ways about that. But even with that being said, I think at the end of the day, when you're trying to forecast forward, everybody in that offense has a clear, defined role. And I guess my my concern with Tua is I don't know – like, this team isn't built necessarily around Tua – this team is just built to be an all around solid roster. Like the dolphins couldn't get out from Tua next year, if they really wanted to, it was something that they could have done with Watson if they wanted. So like, I would be more worried. And that's why I think this is an interesting discussion. These are the two quarterbacks that came up in Watson trades. So there are two teams that had capital that could make moves like that. That's why I kind of wanted to raise it. So I guess my thing is like, I'll never really have two on a roster because he's just not the type of quarterback I want, unless push comes to shove and I really don't have alternatives I just don't see the upside there personally. But I think he's fine for a back-end QB, too. I think he's just always going to be overpriced.
2: Yeah, no, I agree with you. And I like what you said because, I mean, they aren't necessarily built around two. They're built for a quarterback that can actually really push the ball downfield. Um, They brought in a bunch of deep threats. And then you had Devontae Parker, who's a, you know, throw it up and he's going to go get it kind of guy. And, I mean, they did that. I guess you could say anticipating that Tua is going to take the next next step. But if he doesn't, you're right. They have an easy out from under him. Um, but I also agree with what Tim said. I mean, he, he held his own against a Patriots defense that, you know, Belichick's known for really confusing young quarterbacks.
0: Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm.
2: And even, even though he was just a game zone and had, you know, limited mistakes, he wasn't like Sam Donald going out there and throwing six interceptions. Um, so, yeah, I'm, I'm not panicking on him yet, but I also agree with you, Mike, where I'm not, like, super high on him.
0: Yep. Yeah, exactly. Let's get into our next player here. Um, and th- for me, I'm picking Baker Mayfield. And like I said, it was a little tricky week one in terms of stat lines and, and stat outputs that would really be concerning to you. Um Looking back on it, I guess somebody could have honestly picked Rodgers to discuss a little bit what you would do, but it's just like Rodgers' pedigree speaks for itself. So, like, it almost seemed like too much of a tee-up to say don't panic. Um, I think with Baker Mayfield, it's kind of much along the lines of Tua. He, you know, he went 21 completions on 28 attempts for 321 yards and a touchdown, didn't give you really anything with his legs. Um, So, you know, 75% completion percentage, only one touchdown – you know, it just goes to show again and again, this team's going to run through the run itself. Like Kareem and Chubb are so strong. Um, but the thing is, if you watch the game itself, Baker made good throws. He threw with good anticipation. And I don't think he's ever going to be a top five to eight dynasty quarterback. It's just too crowded at the top there. And he just doesn't have the mobility for it. Although his mobility solid. But as a QB2 that like is a young experienced player that can keep giving you more. I think Baker Mayfield will continue to produce the way you want, and probably be a little bit undervalued. Not, I don't think his owners are panicking, but I, I think my take is still the same on Baker. Uh, what do you guys think on that? Tim, you got anything?
1: Uh, Baker was actually uh, one of my panic quarterbacks, so I didn't know if you wanted me to get into that or if you wanted to wait for me to or wait until we go into the panic section.
0: <laughs> All right, yeah, we re- definitely rebuttal it. Uh, what are your thoughts?
1: Uh, Now I'm really glad that you mentioned that you think that it is a little bit crowded at the top because that's exactly why I'm, I'm panicking on him, but it's again, it's quote unquote panicking. I'm not saying that he's going to go lose his job and completely be miserable than, you know, be out of the NFL in two years. I just think that he's going to be a very steady, you know, about quarterback 15 or worse. Yes. He'll give you weeks where he'll throw for three touchdowns and look elite, but his team as a whole, they're a run first offense and also, uh, he's just, uh, excuse me, um, pe- uh, Fantasy the fantasy community undervalues quarterbacks. Like, you know, guys like him, Carr, and Goff, guys who aren't number one quarterbacks, but they do produce every week. And they do a quarterback one upside on any given week. Just because you're not putting up 25 points every single week doesn't mean you're useless. So basically what I'm saying for Baker is in a shootout against one of the best offenses in the league, This is the kind of offense that his team puts on the field that still run first. They're not asking him to win the game by himself to put up these huge stats. I'm saying that if you are looking for that next quarterback one, Baker isn't it. And if you want to use him to gain assets to find that next player, I think that would be fair. But in like a two quarterback league, if he was your second or third guy, you could be pretty happy with that.
0: Yeah. I, and Tim, that's not a bad take at all. I kind of, so see, that's where my mentality would be too. Like, I guess panic is an overused word, but like I would downgrade from Baker Mayfield to Kirk cousins down, you know, quote unquote downgrade and take picks or take a, you know, another player plus Kirk cousins, Kirk cousins has been quarterback 11, like four years in a row, you know, and he costs a lot less than somebody like Baker Mayfield and I think that's where we talk about like where somebody's valued versus where they're producing. Like Baker is a solid player. I just I, I don't think w- without your legs, unless you're an elite, you know passer, and there aren't many of them that are that upper echelon. I just don't see it. And one of the things we used to say was that Baker's weapons were so good. I mean, I don't know what to think about OBJ. I mean, Anthony Schwartz showed up, and Jarvis Landry's still there, and he made David Joku look good. But his weapons are fine. They're not crazy. They're not like some of these teams like, uh, you know, the Titans or Tampa or, you know, any of these other teams that have – the Cowboys who have two, three legitimate weapons that that he can throw to. So I also am keeping that in mind with the evaluation as well. Mm
1: -hmm. Yeah, 100% fair. Like I said, it's not like I think he's going to completely, you know, be a total bust Mm -hmm. or something. It's just if you're looking to upgrade, I think that would be –
2: yeah, I mean, I, I definitely agree with that. Um, how old is he? Is he 20 He's 26. I was going to say, because, I mean, I feel like every year has been kind of like he could break out this year and he just hasn't really shown it. Like his rookie year, he really looked like he was going to be a stud. And then, like you said, he's kind of just been like an average quarterback. Um, but if you can find someone who still is like super high when they drafted him, uh yeah, definitely. I like what you said with maybe take Cousins and picks or something like that.
0: And sometimes this is also an important point. So I just looked to double check. Kirk Cousins is 33. Sometimes all you need with these quarterback twos is just a guy to buy you time, like a guy to buy you time until you have the right opportunity to get the quarterback that's going to put you over the hump. Like, you know, I had Rogers for years and I still stick by him. I still have him in a league. But, like, when the opportunity came to go from Rogers to Dak Prescott, like, I was a big Dak Prescott believer. And, like, I took that opportunity to try to package and move up. And I like that strategy when it's for the right guy. So it's one of those things where, like, maybe in the draft, a quarterback falls to you and, you you know, that's an opportunity where you can take Baker and move him and if that quarterback produces. Like, that's a valid strategy. So Baker is kind of one of those, like, buying my time quarterbacks with, like, some upside, but maybe not the upside of, like, some of the truly elite guys. Mm-hmm. I get that. Yep, I like that. All right, let's 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 go ahead and move into the next section here. You guys didn't have any other quarterbacks, right? We can go into don't panics for running backs? Yep. yep. All right, cool. I'll kick it back to you, John, for one of your don't panic running backs.
2: So I'm going to stick with Ezekiel Elliott. Um, I know people are definitely starting to panic about him with – not only his usage, just, like, also I think he only averaged, like, three yards a carry. Um, But, I mean, he was playing one of the best run defenses in the league, and they kind of strayed away from the run pretty early in that game. Um, It became kind of a shootout. Um, But when he got the ball, honestly, to me, he looked more explosive than he did last year. Um, You know, he only had 33 yards and only a couple catches, but Prescott missed him on – um, one throw that could have been a big gain and could have really helped his, or saved his fantasy day. Um, but honestly, to me, I'm still not worried about him. He, looked, he looks thinner and more explosive out there, and I think the usage is going to come. And obviously, when they're not playing that good of a defensive line where they couldn't get anything offensive line hurt as well, um, I think he's going to be fine. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, I, I can get behind that. Uh, like you said, you know he he's he was considered elite for a reason. Just uh, he had one down year last year when his quarterback when the quarterback won arguably in the league went out. So you know, I, I can I can see this being a nice bounce back year for him, especially with like you said, he's looking more explosive.
0: John, what's your what's your feelings on Tony Pollard? Because watching that game and being a Cowboys fan, I felt like Tony Pollard was much more involved than a lot of people anticipated he was going to be. Do you? Do you think that's the case going forward, or do you think it was game script? How do you feel about that?
2: I think it was game script because, um, like I said, a lot of their offensive line was out, and they really couldn't get any push. And I think they were using him in more, like like, specialty plays and, like, also kind of a little bit in the passing game. But I think when they get back – when they get, you know, Zach Martin back and they get their O-line back and they're playing not as an elite of a defensive line – and they can just run the ball more traditionally, which they want to do. Um, I think Zeke's going to get way more usage. And I don't, I think Pollard will still be using that role.
0: It'll just, it'll be less of a, you know, less touches. Okay. That's fair. Cause, cause here's my thing. So the way I kind of see it is a lot of his owners still view him as like a top five running back for the season. And I agree with, like, the don't panic. Like, this this particular game was expected. Like, he wasn't expected to necessarily do very well. I guess my thing is, first off, I, I think Pollard is going to continue to be involved in a capacity that you won't expect from a top five running back because it's just not common. Um, and the second thing is I think that, like, if somebody told you that Zeke coming out of college, you know, ran a 4-4 and he had the strength that he showed on, like, the bench press and everything – you would just say clearly, and this isn't a knock on Zeke, he's just clearly not that player anymore. Like, he looks a little bit better than last year, but I just think that it's at a certain point that touches do wear you down. And here's my thing. Zeke can still be a very effective fantasy running back. Like, Zeke could still be, you know, a back-end RB1, like an RB, let's call him, like, 9 to 12. And that would be – like, I would be on board with that. I just think the days of Zeke being – like, I think it's – like, Zeke is a closer value to me. Um, I'm trying to think of somebody comparable. Zeke is much closer in value to Aaron Jones than he is to Christian McCaffrey, if that makes sense. Like, there was a time a year ago where Christian McCaffrey and Zeke were both netting you three firsts. And, like, like I just think it's clear how much space has been put up between, like, that Kamara tier to me. That, like, Kamara-Cook – um cmc tier and i think that's just the important thing so like it's not necessarily that you should be trying to sell but like if somebody still views him like that in terms of trading like i would just keep that in mind because i just don't think that he's gonna i don't think you're gonna see people start paying more for him like this might be a good time to buy him if you can get him for the right price but that's sort of where i'm at on zeke
2: yeah no i could get behind that um i still think i think i'd plan him Already. I think he's going to have one more top five finish, um, and then, then you, you sell him, obviously. But, um, yeah, no, I get behind what you're saying. Um, I just – maybe I'm
0: nice as a Cowboys fan, but uh, I did like like the way he was moving out there. So I also think it's one of those things where it's all about your running back philosophy where it's like – I kind of like to move a running back a year early versus a year late. And, like, that's why I just – I don't have Zeke in any leagues. And it's because I just don't know. He It's, like, it's in a weird way, like, the Tom Brady effect, even though Tom Brady continues to defy father time, where, like, I just don't want to own Brady because I know one of the years he is going to drop off. And, like, that's how I am with Elliott. Like, I don't want to own him. And if I own him, I'm trying to get out because I just think he's, like, at that cusp at this point. Like, he just looks a little bit different to me. Um, the like only, I said cons- – only.
2: The only problem with that is I think last year because he finished, what, running back 10, like people were like, oh, this is the start of the decline. So, like, at that point, like you're not getting, like you said, like you probably wouldn't be able to get two first for him at that point because people think he's going to be the next target. Like, to me at that point, I'm just holding on for another year, see what happens with the season, and say middle of the year someone needs a running back, you could probably get, you know, a decent haul for him still, but if people are already kind of fading mm-hmm. him, to me, I'd rather just hold on to him, ride him out until mm-hmm. till he dies.
0: And that's what I'm doing. If I own him too, for what it's worth, I just I'm just saying. I think um, if you can still get that type of mammoth return for him, or like if there's anybody who's still valuing him like that, like that's I'm I'm floating it around. Unless I legitimately think like this is my year, um, so. That's that's kind of where I'm at with him, and we can go ahead and move on. So let, let me kick it over to you, Tim, at running back. Who you got for Don't Panic?
1: Well, for Don't Panic, I have a guy that I traded away this past offseason, Derrick Henry, and I just wanted to kind of restate some of the reasons that I was saying before when we were mentioning Tannehill. Titans lost by 25, but Henry still had 17 carries for 58 yards, and they even gave him three catches for 19 yards. This is just who Henry is. Last year, even when he rushed for two thousand yards, there were two games where he rushed for under eighty-five yards, no catches, no touchdowns. And I know that it can, you know, be a little scary when you get your guy who you've, you know, basically staked your season on. You think he's going to be carrying your team at some points. It can be a little scary when you got a guy with a, you know, nine point two, and you're thinking, okay, this should have been like a twenty. I need that. But I mentioned this last year about Lamar. People tend to freak out when their stud players underproduce, even if it's just during some random week. But it's normal to have that happen. Even elite players have down weeks. In 2018, when Mahomes threw for 5,000 yards and 50 touchdowns, there were still two games when he scored under 20 points. So, for the most part, I see this as Henry's absolute basement floor. They lost by 25 points, that awful game script, and they still were giving him carries, and he still produced enough that he almost had 10 points, which, you know, if your flex got 10 points, you're going to be too pissed. So, if in the worst case scenario, your best player still gets 10 points, I like that.
2: Hey, man, my flex got me negative 0.6 this week, and I'm pretty happy about it. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I agree with you, though. I mean, pretty much all the points I said, Tannehill, you know, they got away from their game script and. That game just kind of got away from him really quick. So uh, I think Henry's going to be fine.
0: Yeah, I think he's going to be just fine too. I mean, he's another one that's interesting because I, like, I always just like the running backs that have more of a dual threat element to him. And Henry's just sort of a unicorn in regards to like how he's used like relative to every other player in the NFL that's a high premier running back, especially for fantasy purposes. But, yeah, I mean, if you have them, nobody really had a particularly good game in Tennessee. They were behind big time, and that sometimes does happen to Henry, and it, it is a risk with him. Um, but at the same time, really, outside of, it, you know, what, A.J. Brown getting that one touchdown, even that touchdown just salvaged his day to make it usable, No, nobody looked particularly good. So I think, you know, I'm I'm on board with that. I don't really have too much deep analysis on this one.
2: Yeah, that's,
0: that's all I got.
1: I'm, I'm, um, I'm good to move on if you guys are.
0: Yeah. Okay. Let's go ahead and do that. My next guy I'm thinking about here is Brandon Ayuk on the Don't Panic. And uh, – oh, no, I guess we'll say Brandon Ayuk. I got Najee Harris, actually. We'll get there. Um, for Najee, here's here's my thing with Najee. I, I don't think people would be – and I, I think you said at the top of the hour, Tim, a lot of rookies just don't look particularly, like, good their first week. It just happens. They don't have a lot of reps. Right, you know the thing that's going around on Twitter. Najee was in for 100% of the snaps. Um, I think this one's very self-explanatory, so maybe this is more of a warning to people, and that is don't start thinking about selling Najee like he is a premier asset. um, In Dynasty Circle specifically, this line is going to continue to get a little bit better is the hope. You know, they were trying to gel. It was their first week all playing together. A lot of lines looked really bad week one, and nobody on the Bills or Steelers, like, in particular, had a good game in terms of fantasy. Like even Deontay was just salvaged by that touchdown. And I don't know, he had like five catches on 10 targets for 36 yards and a touchdown. So like, that was a yucky game too. Like no nobody looked great, but Najee was involved in the passing game. Um, he was in on every pass protection play. There's no concern or threat of any other player coming in here. So he is definitely going to be due for some big weeks. And I would just say sit tight with him. Um, I rewatched the game film on him and he looked good. Like, I know some people are going to say that he looks a little bit sluggish or whatever, but I saw him get, you know, he had like a one cut cut up the field run that was really solid where he actually did outmaneuver some players. So like, I think his athleticism is still going to be on display. I think what's going to really happen with Najee is the same thing as what happens with David Montgomery sometimes where like, they're just not considered the same tier of explosiveness as some other players. And because of that, there's always going to be the naysayers and the non-believers of them. And, And I think you kind of just like, you know, that's the hill that you can die on if you want to. But I, I'm not panicking I'm not Najee.
2: So he's actually my panic player. And it's uh, like how Tim said it, you know, in in quotes, panic. Um, my only thing is, yeah, I mean, he's he's athletic. And I think it kind of reminds me of Saquon, Saquon Barkley where, you know, he had these monster games, but he was kind of doing everything himself and that really wears you down, um, and people are already worried about Najee's age, which doesn't bother me too much, um, but to me, just the whole Pittsburgh offense looked awful. Um, Big Ben does not have it anymore, in my opinion, which is going to lead to teams stacking the box. Um, he was constantly hit behind the line of scrimmage. Uh, I mean, like you said, you know, this offensive line is all kind of new, but there's also always the chance that they don't improve and then it could be a couple of years until they actually build that offensive lineup again get a new quarterback. Like it's just, there's so many unknowns in his situation. Um, and I mean, you're, you're right. He's going to get touches, but I mean, if he's just constantly getting hit behind the backfield, that's going to wear him down quicker than the most guys. Like look what's happening to Barkley. He had a monster year. And then he's just been doing everything himself and he's just been getting hurt a lot. Um, So, like I said, it's, you know, quote-unquote panicking. Um, I just think he's probably going to underperform a little bit this year, and then the future is a little more murky than I thought it was. Mm
1: -hmm. Yeah, I really, really like the uh, Saquon comparison here. We all kind of expected him to, you know, come out of the gate absolutely sprinting. But, you know, like like we saw, 100% snap count. It's awesome. But Are you saying we
0: expected him to come out of the gate sprinting?
1: Yeah, like uh, just – at least, you know, better than what he did. You know what I mean? Like, we would have expected. I guess. Uh, I,
0: I, I'm not surprised by that take. I feel like during the whole offseason, people were worried about the line, and that proved to be true on Sunday. So, I, I mean, I don't know. I kind of – I wasn't expecting him to go out and have a 40-point game off the bat or anything. I, mean, I know that's not exactly what you're saying, but um, – sorry, I need mean to cut you off. Keep going, though.
1: No, no, you're good. I'm saying, like, you know, maybe uh, like a 10 to 12-point kind of deal because of uh, the opportunities that he was given. And for a lot of these young running backs, what's the biggest uh, attraction that we have to them? It's their situation. And for someone like him, like John said, there was almost no competition. So, you know, it it was very, very disconcerting to see him play that poorly. And again, it wasn't his fault. There was a lot going on around him that kind of, you know, worked against him. But I don't know, I, I would be a little bit nervous because John, like you said, it, it is tough to say panic, but I, I would start being nervous if I was a Najee owner.
0: All right, here's here's a question for you guys. I don't I don't dislike where you're going because I think, like we said, we were using the term panic like more seasoned players that aren't like overreacting to any one set of data here. But let me ask you this, right? So you have Najee Harris. Are you looking to? trade him, and or if you're holding him, right, you're talking about maybe this is his fate, right, the line doesn't get better, you're holding for a while, he's getting beaten bruised, let's talk about the kind of return either A, you're looking for or B, the type of running back that you would rather have, whether it's it's a it's a package to go down or it's, you know, like like what's what kind of a return are you guys expecting? And I know you're not necessarily making that move right now, but let's say that you were panicking, what would you do?
2: So, I just think First off, real quick, back to what we were talking about before. I think in the beginning of the year before the season, like you could almost get, like you could get a package for him. Like people were already kind of viewing him as like an elite, like top seven running back. And I just don't think that's where he's at anymore. Um, I, I don't know if you could still get that after what people saw Week One. But if I were to panic sell. Um, and I wouldn't, I would, I'm obviously would hold him because um, he is a rookie, but I mean, I guess if you're looking to downgrade, I want to say Montgomery, but I don't think you could do. Um, you don't think you could get David Montgomery one for one with him? Well, I wouldn't want to do that. I, I thought we were talking about like getting a running back, like downgrade a running back and getting something
0: on top of it. Yeah. I, I think you're either way, either way, I guess also like relative value, like how much, like you're very high on Monty, obviously, and like some other people are low. Like, let's pretend that the owner was willing. Like, what on top of Montgomery is the type of return you think you can get for Najee that you would be looking to pull trigger? Like, Montgomery in a first, is that too expensive? I think that's too expensive.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: I mean, they're they're basically the same age.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's uh, it's a tough situation because it's like. I don't want to compare Daniel Jones, but it's in the way where they're roughly the same age as well. And you keep thinking, oh, well, it'll improve. But then for running back, okay, by the time it improves, he'll be how old, you know, or if it keep if it never improves, then it almost you almost uh, lose the ability to sell him based on his upside, if that makes sense.
2: Yep. Yeah. Tim, Tim, that's a really good point, because that's kind of what I meant before when I was saying, Like, if the offensive line doesn't figure it out and they need to get a new quarterback, like, what if they come in next year with a rookie quarterback and either he doesn't work out or he takes a year or two to really get going? That's, you know, three years. Najee's going to be, what, 27? And that's just three years of teams stacking the box against him, him continuing to get, you know, all of the carries,
0: um, and it's just going to wear Yeah. I mean, I, that, listen, that is a possible outcome for sure. I would just say like, that's kind of for myself, I would be looking at owners like that and trying to pounce on that. Like anybody who's willing to do that, anybody who thinks that's where this is going, I'm looking to pounce. Like last year, Jonathan Taylor started out slow. And I think one thing I did see from Najee a little bit is he was, he was trying to do a little bit of the Le'Veon Bell sit behind the line, like wait for his timing and then punch through and that line is not good enough to do that with at this point in his career. Like, that that line is not, is, is not going to give him that kind of a window. And I think he's suffering a little bit from Alabama syndrome, where, like, that line was making such big holes that I do think Najee has good patience and good vision. But I also don't think Najee realizes that he can't out-athletic a lot of these players. And it's the same thing Jonathan Taylor was trying to do, even though Jonathan Taylor was a much better physical back in terms of, like, his combine results. So I would say – I, I wouldn't be surprised if Najee starts to put it together a little bit more and get in a rhythm. We'll, we'll have to see. But I'm I'm of the camp that this is a great time to buy him if anybody was selling. And if he starts out a little bit slow, I'd still be buying even at the halfway point this year. Yeah, again, I, I wouldn't be – it's just like a little – Right. Like, Concern. Yeah, I like that. Soft panic. <laughs> soft, use, soft, uh, panic. Soft, soft panic. To use Tim's soft leg. Yeah, Just a gentle whispering of a panic. Because if –
2: Soft, soft panic no, I, wasn't, I wasn't like fully
0: panicking well that's what I like about it you never have to fully commit to anything with the soft panic
2: right i can you know me <laughs> because I'm smarter than you <laughs> that's true well everybody's it's, it's, it's kind of like it's kind of like, like when, when you know one of my players point wearing Tim's in fantasy, and he goes oh blah, blah blah I lost you won already buddy good game blah 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 and then you know if I win good for me but if I lose he gets to sit there with a little smirk on his face you that had is one of my Waller and
1: you had Waller and Lamar, and you only needed like ten points.
0: <laughs> um, well, it came down to like bro, the last six minutes. Yeah, exactly.
2: He saw the projections on Sleeper and went, "Oh no way, I win this one." You're so you're so <laughs> annoying to play in fantasy, Tim. <laughs>
0: All right, let's let's uh, let's stay on track before uh, we have a full meltdown on pod here. Let's kick it over to you, John, with a don't panic wide receiver. And let's try to speed these up a little bit because we're just be mindful of time. That's on me a little. Got a little too into it, Najee.
2: Uh, I'll go with Cortland Sutton. Um, you know, he didn't have <clears throat> exactly one, but he's coming back from a knee injury. He's got a new quarterback. Get many preps with. Um, throughout the offseason because of his knee, um, and but now Jerry Judy's hurt. Um, he's he's now on that team. I'm not very worried about Tim Patrick. Um, I think I think Teddy Bridgewater is serviceable enough where he'll um, you know a relatively close start uh, for Sutton just because he's, he's last year and he didn't really play in the preseason. But I think he's gonna be. And I think he'll stay in a mid wide receiver two this year.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, just as someone who watched the game because my parents are Giants fans, they had it on. Uh, the Giants couldn't really do much. Uh, the Broncos really were doing whatever the hell they wanted with them. There was no need to air it out in any sort of crazy way. So it's not like uh, what the Cardinals were doing, where they're up by fifteen and they're still throwing it, you know, thirty five yards downfield, doing whatever. So. I like that, John. I do think he's going to step back and or step up and continue to be pretty solid.
0: Cool. Yeah. I, I like that. I think Sutton just is still recovering from a major injury and like, I'm trying to factor that in as well. So like with Judy out, he's going to have to step up a little bit. Um, but I think uh, Overall, I still think Judy is the, is the receiver to own. They're going to play him out of the slot more. But I don't think that that means that either player isn't going to produce. Luckily for them, they're not going to have god-awful Drew Locke throwing to them right now. So they actually might have an opportunity to produce some fantasy points. Because even though Teddy is ain't exactly uh, the second coming of Aaron Rodgers, he can get them the ball, which is more than Drew Locke could, could do. So I kind of think that you're right in the sense that like Sutton is going to bounce back, and he's probably still cheap. And people that were, like, worried about him are going to come around. Mm -hmm. Yep. All right, let's go into one of your panics here. Or I guess it's still Don't Panic, isn't it, Tim? One of your Don't Panics? Yeah,
1: Yeah, it's Don't Panic. And uh, trust me, this is quick. So this is a guy uh, that we talk about a lot on the podcast, Robert Woods. And his week got absolutely saved by his – by his touchdown and before that he only had uh, I think only three target there excuse me he had four targets three receptions for only 27 yards before he got a garbage time touchdown all the way at the end so if he didn't get that he probably would have been under like, well under four points so as much as that sucks to see he's one of the most consistent receivers in the entire NFL even last season it's like I was saying with Henry I don't care how good you are I don't care how consistent you are no one ever will have 16, 17 elite games every single game in one season. And yeah, it looks like Cup kind of overtook Woods. Well, not kind of. It looks like Cup overtook Woods as Stafford's favorite receiver. But does that make Woods a bust? Absolutely not. Believe it or not, Cup and Woods have alternated being the highest starting or the highest scoring wide receiver on their team since 2017. it was. 2017 was Cup, 2018 was Woods, 2019 Cup, and the 2020 was back to Woods. So it's an odd year. It's Cup's turn. And does being the number two in that offense uh, mean your fantasy viable? Yes, it does. You going to have off games, sure, but you know what? They didn't have to throw too much against that Bears defense. So I he was making Higby
0: was... look like a stud.
1: Yeah, he was making Higby look like a stud. You can uh, they could spread a... they could spread the ball around really really nicely, and there was no need to force feed it to Woods. Uh, it's not like, you know, the game's online They're trying to push it downfield or anything.
2: Van Jefferson
0: had himself a nice little day too. But that's what I yeah. mean. It's,
1: uh, it's fine that he had one bad game.
0: <laughs> also, tr- also Van Jefferson just caught a deep bomb, which to be fair, like that's how plenty of players produce. But I don't know if he anyway, – Like you said, Tim, I think Woods will be fine. Um, he's, perennially, he's perennially undervalued, and I think that's going to be the case again this year. However – this is probably the first year I ever saw, and maybe it's because Stabber came to town, where I did think that, like, Cup and Woods were priced according to kind of where you'd expect them to be. So, like, that wide receiver 18 to 25, 28 range. I think that Stabber coming to town, wising people up to the possibilities of that offense a little bit.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah.
0: No, Anyway, no disagreement there. I'm going to go to my guy here, and that's Brandon Ayuk. Um, ironically, we did spend a lot of time talking about all the reasons Brandon Ayuk would do, you know, great things, uh, this coming season. And according to that, naturally he had a God and produced zero fantasy points. So what, what went wrong? Well, the first thing that I did note was, um, there was discussions about him having a camp injury that made him a little bit slower in the second half of camp. That was the first thing. I think the second thing. Um, it's possible just in terms of game script and where Jimmy Garoppolo was trying to go like this was a Debo game like I can't lie Debo really impressed I don't think people realize that Debo can be you know operating and not be just attacking from a line of scrimmage he kind of has never been that guy but I guess he could become that guy and develop more and more so uh, I think you're obviously not selling him I think if anyone is panicking like try to buy him this game is not necessarily indicative of anything at this point in fact, you could even wait one more week, and if he shows up with, like, four or five points, like, slam, get him in your lineup, trade for him. If you can get him for an early second and something, you know, that would be a great flip. If you can get him for a late second and, like, Antonio Brown, and you're not a win-now team, and you're rebuilding, like, that would be a slam dunk for me. Because I think, Brent, you know, Brand Ayuk is going to be coming back to where he should be valued. Antonio Brown right now, I've been seeing some people have him as, like, a top 15 receiver for the year. People are going nuts with him, so... Anybody who's, like, really high, maybe that's a move you could look to make. What do you guys think?
2: Yeah, no, I, I agree with you. Um, I think the game script got away from a little bit. Um, you know, they were playing the Lions. They kind of could do, do. – um,
0: And yeah, Is that the worst um, defense in the league? I think it is.
2: Yeah, they just lost uh, – uh, Okuda?
0: Yeah, for the year, too. Yeah. I
1: think the Jags might take the cake there.
2: Yeah.
0: You yeah. are the Jaguars did make Tyrod Taylor look like Ty God again. So you're not wrong about that.
2: Yeah, so I, I yeah. mean I'm not worried. Like you said, you know, Game Script kinda got away from them a little bit. They didn't really need to air it out. Um, <laughs> I'm not panicking.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. And also these things happen. Ridley was a wide receiver one, or he was, you know, an elite wide receiver last year and he still had a game where he had zero points. These things happen, you know, yes. Shanahan does have a history with like, you know, with Dante Pettis, everyone thought he was going to be the next big thing. And then, you know, he had him in the doghouse for forever, but this is a completely different situation. We saw what I did as a rookie. It's just one game. It's just people are really getting upset about it because it's
0: the first game. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, I I definitely agree with that. Um, Listen, we got a little bit of time left, so let's do this. Let's do our priority panics because people always do like to kind of see our overreactions a little bit or our underreactions. Um, So uh, let's do it this way. Instead of picking by position, just pick by the players you're most interested in talking about. And I'll kick it over to you, John, for one of your panics that you want to hit on. Um. I guess I'll go with – well, between Lawrence
2: and Galladay. Who do you guys – who would you rather talk about?
0: Let's talk about Lawrence because Lawrence is somebody who we've hit on a couple of times but only lightly.
2: Yeah, I just think that, you know, me and you kind of like pre-draft pointed out how he's like not exactly the perfect prospect like everyone was saying he was, and I think he really got exposed um, even against a pretty shaky defense uh, that is the Texans. Um, And I think I'm just more worried about, like, what is Urban Meyer doing? Uh, you know, he didn't really – normally you come in with a rookie quarterback and you try to establish the run and get him comfortable and get him in a rhythm, and he just kind of didn't do that at all. I know me and you were, were watching the game, and I don't think either Hyde or James Robinson had a carry in the second quarter. Like, it was, like, something ridiculous like that, where Trevor Lawrence was, like, three for 11 and neither running back had one carry. And it's just yeah, – dude. Um, So, I, I don't know if it's – you know, I, I think he got exposed a little bit on the weaknesses that me and you, Mike, pointed out a while ago. But also, I don't think Urban Meyer's doing it in many favor To me, yeah. could kind of – him forming bad habits and almost having to be re-coached come, you know, Urban Meyer's egg. Ex- I see what you mean there.
1: But uh, just the way I look at it, if Urban Meyer does suck that bad, he'll probably out – excuse me, he'll probably be out sooner than later. And Lawrence, yes, he may form some bad habits, but he was an elite prospect. And he did show good tendencies on the field. Yes, there were some times where he was trying to play hero ball, throw it across his body, but he's a rookie in his first game ever in the NFL. This is his first regular season loss at any level of football. He didn't lose in the regular season, high school, college, at all. So this is his first time that he was down this much. And he was really trying to fight for his life. And you know what? I think it, you know he'll he'll learn to adjust and play in a more safe and controlled way. He, he he'll understand that he doesn't have to win every single game the way it was like at Clemson. That's just not conceivable. Obviously, you want to win, but not everyone can be you know undefeated. If that makes sense.
0: Yeah, I mean, I get what you're saying, Tim. Counterpoint to that, of course, is the fact that. He could get and where he's going to get a new coordinator and a new coach every single year, and just never get time to get settled into a playbook. Um, along the lines of panic, John, I also want to throw in here James Robinson, and that's also just because I think Urban Meyer is just a flat-out not good coach. Um, I think there's a lot of players that were not happy with how he was running things already. There was already discontent. You know, he has a very iron fist rule with college players that's not always effective at the NFL level when you have vets that have been in the league for years and they don't want to be treated like they're college players anymore. So I think kind of where I'm at right now is Lawrence will be fine, but this goes back to the whole Lawrence versus Joe Burrow argument and how I was kind of like saying, I, I thought Joe Burrow was a better prospect and I still like Burrow better. And it, it, part of it is Lawrence does have flaws in his game. Like he does have a tendency to play a little bit of hero ball, Um I think his mechanics could still use a little bit of work. He was sloppy at times. I think if you're the receivers, this is going to be a high volume passing attack because of how bad the defense is. So like, if you have Chenault and if you have shark, I think you're in a good position. Cause he's just going to throw a lot. Even Marvin Jones is going to be involved there too. But James Robinson, he seems to like Carlos Hyde better than James Robinson. I have no idea what that was about. Um, And if James Robinson is not getting the correct snap percentage, I mean, that's going to hurt his value too. I don't think people ever anticipated with ETN out that James Robinson was going to have a problem with Carlos Hyde, but Urban Meyer seems to be out thinking himself already. So I I don't know where this is going to go, but I would definitely be a little bit nervous if I had Lawrence in terms of his development James Robinson in terms of producing this year.
2: So for for James Robinson, uh, I mean, yeah, I'm a little worried, but the one thing I did like was, I mean, he got what, five carries and Carlos Hyde got nine or something like that. Um, I think that's going to, you know, or Urban Meyer's hand's going to be forced there where James Robinson's getting five, five carries, but he's averaging five, six yards a carry and he's giving Carlos Hyde 10 carries and he's averaging two. That eventually I think it's going to work itself out. But what I did like is James Robinson seemed to be the one that was used. In um, the passing attack as well. Um, so I think that kind of raises his floor at least until Urban Myers kind of figures himself out. But uh, I mean, definitely am a little concerned. And it, it's right now tough to see him producing like he did last year.
0: Yeah. I mean, James Robinson's snap percentage last year, I think he averaged, he, I think he was in on 95% of snaps, which is like CMC Derrick Henry level. It's obscene. Um, yesterday, his snap percentage was 64% relative to Carlos Hyde's 34%. So, again, like, it, you know, he's still like, that's a good. Here's the thing, right? Every player's value varies a little bit by snap percentage. Like, Alvin Kamara's snap percentage might be something like 64 to 75. And, like, he's so effective with that amount of touches, it doesn't matter. But, like, he's a little bit of an anomaly. That being said, somebody like DeAndre Swift had about the same snap percentage as James Robinson, and he obviously had a very productive day. So I think what we still need to see shake out is, like, how many opportunities does James Robinson have on the snaps he's in? Like, how is he going to be involved in the passing game? Like, are they going to let him catch the ball out of the backfield? So I still have question marks in that regard, too.
2: Yeah, I agree. I think he's still a, a relatively safe flex play. You know, you don't feel great if you drafted him as
0: your RB one or two, but uh, mm-hmm, that's uh, fair. I think he's still a solid flex. I'll buy that. Okay, I stole your. I kind of hijacked your panic there, Tim. What do you got?
1: Uh, for panic, um, I I just have Trey Sermon. I, I know he's going to be our spotlight player, but the Dynasty community assumed he was going to be the the guy in the new offense. In San Francisco. But I think that people forgot that the bus rate outside the third round, it just, or the bus rate absolutely skyrockets. Obviously, there's still a chance for him to pull it together and be an impact player down the line. But this is definitely a panic moment for someone who took a chance on him in the draft and they are hoping that he could be a viable flex player for them. Because I, I know that in the range that he was going, competing teams might have been able to take chances on him. And for him to be benched for, I think uh, Elijah Mitchell was a sixth-round pick, and Jermichael Hasty, who was an undrafted agent, it's never, ever a good sign. Obviously, we're going to see more to come, but as of right now, I if I was a Sermon owner who had him as one of my potential stars, you know, if I was a rebuilding team, I'd be like, eh, you know, I took a shot on him in the draft. Sucks, but.
2: Mike, you want to, you want to take this one? I know you got some thoughts.
0: I think it would be unfair to say, like, I think it would be unfair for me, even like as somebody who was high on sermon to say that like what happened wasn't concerning. I like agree with you, Tim. I mean, I never like, for what it's worth, the reason I had Elijah Mitchell on my like taxi squad after I drafted sermon is because shenanigans has always been a thing. And Shanahan always likes to just mess around with running backs. Like, it wouldn't like, maybe this is going to be Jamal Williams and Aaron Jones all over again, where Jamal Williams is, I think a third or a fourth round pick Aaron Jones is a fifth. And then lo and behold, Aaron Jones is actually really good. Like that that's in the range of outcomes. Um, what I think is accurate to say is you're not selling him right now because people are going to you know talk about how it was a healthy scratch. Like there's just no points. Always your time. He's absolutely going to play next week. Um, they just don't have choices. Now that Raheem Mostert is injured once more. Um, And I think we're going to have to see how he looks relative to Elijah Mitchell if they both get touches. I'm not touching either one of them in fantasy next week. I really am not. People are going to start Elijah Mitchell, and he might have a good game. I wouldn't be surprised if Michael Hasey gets 18 carries for 142 yards. Like, that's in the range of outcomes because, you know, shenanigans is always back to play, and and it's possible. I think, um, you know, part of the reports was that Elijah Mitchell just flat out beat Sermon they have weirdly different measurables. Like Elijah Mitchell is probably more explosive and he's, he's going to be better straight line speed. I thought Sermon had some really good immeasurables in his, uh, or I guess measurables in his RAS score for his relative adjusted. I think it was, what is it? Relative adjusted, like athleticism. Um, So, uh, you know, I still like what I think potentially Trey Sermon is going to have in terms of opportunities in a split backfield, And I think the trick is always, like, get a piece of the backfield any way you can. So if somebody's, like, panic-selling Sermon and you could get him for, like, a third, I would do that because you have no idea. But, yeah, I'm not going to lie. Like, week one, him not playing is definitely concerning. But I think it's too early to just, like, jump ship. Mm
2: -hmm. Yeah, I agree with you. I don't think I'm freaking out. I mean, before this, they had guys like Jeff Wilson that would randomly get 10 carries for three touchdowns and hundred yards or something like that. Like he just, you know, Shanahan likes to cycle his backs. And uh, if you really don't like that, you don't like the inconsistency, wait till Sherman has one of those big games and then you sell him. Like, I, I don't, like Mike said, like, even if you were to try to sell him now, like, I don't think you would, I don't know if anyone's biting um, because he was a healthy scratch, but uh, I mean, also if I drafted him, you probably got him in the, late second round where you're kind of getting into the dart throw territory and there's no no point to freak out. If you have him as your RB1, like, yeah, you're, you should have been worried a long time ago. but um, <laughs> True. I'm not
0: exactly freaking out over it. The, the other thing I would point out here, too, is, like, you have to remember with a player like Trey Sermon, one of the things – and this is maybe where there is a little bit of panic possibly warranted. Like, if you guys remember back to – you know, Devontae Freeman's crazy RB one year. Like the thing with Devontae Freeman when he was playing for Shanahan at the time was like, he was so solid in that offense. It just didn't make sense to cycle the backs. My concern with Trey Sermon at this point is going to be along the lines of, is he going to look dominant enough on the field to kind of push these other running backs aside? And I, I, that I'm unsure about. I think the running back that has a good week is always going to be valuable in this offense, but we just need more time to like, see how this shakes out or to see if Sermon actually has like a consistent spot for all we know, Sermon might've been late to a team meeting and this was a disciplinary thing. Like I, we just don't know at this point. That's the other thing too. Yeah, I agree. So uh, yeah, I don't know. Um, Okay. I we're coming up on time here. I kind of hijacked your Lawrence with my James Robinson comment. So I'm okay with, with skipping on one of mine. Maybe we're going to have some time next week to go back to some of the players we didn't get to and, possibly have a little bit more data to analyze that. Um, so I'm good with closing out if you guys are, unless you have anything else you want to talk about. I'm good. No, I'm good. Oh, uh, DeAndre Swift had a good week. I did want to toss that in there. Um,
2: so did Ronald just... Jones.
0: Well, I was going to say, you can toss in one of your brags. Corey Davis. Who, who do you guys want to brag about that had a good week? Joe Mixon. Corey Davis. Oh, okay. <laughs>
2: Corey Davis I said his name Joe like Mixon
0: times. I'm just no, I'm I was just trying to cut you off again Yeah, Corey Davis did have a good week And Joe Mixon did have a good week um, Tim, who knows For all of the shit you were giving me About the picks 2 and 7 for uh, Joe Mixon Like, could it be the year That Joe Mixon finally uh, stops teasing his owners Who knows
1: God, I hope so We
0: didn't even talk about Clyde Edwards-Alaire He's an interesting one We'll see what happens next week But, uh All right, let's go ahead and close it out. There's a lot of players we can talk about. We can do this all day. Uh, Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed this content, please feel free to follow us on Twitter at Juan Dynasty. Uh, We also are regular posters on the Reddit community under the handle Don Juan's Dynasty. And follow us on Instagram also. John, what's that handle? Don Juan's Dynasty as well? Yeah. All right. Well, that's all we got for this week, folks. Thanks for listening. Peace out. Peace.
1: See you.